What do you call that noise? What do you call that noise? Welcome back to What Do You Call That Noise, the XTC podcast where we're enjoying a summer of XTC cover bands. My name is Mark Fisher, and I'm delighted that after last month's trip to Sydney to talk to Scarecrow people, we are in the company of Fossil Fools, the UK's long-standing XTC cover band who are gearing up to play at the XTC convention in Swindon this month, September, and again at the Water Rats in London's King's Cross on the 29th of October 2022. Before I introduce them, I have to extend my customary thanks to the fantastic supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. It was would be great if you could join them. All the details are at patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher, where you can choose your level of support and whether you should join the pink things, the humble daisies or the knights in shining karma. If you choose to join the knights in shining karma, I'll read out your name at the end of every episode. And don't forget that if you head to xdclimelight.com, you'll be able to buy a copy of what you call that noise, an XTC discovery book. Among many other things, the 228-page book includes a chapter by David White about cover bands who he found everywhere from Vancouver to Los Angeles and Japan. And among the musicians David interviewed were Terry Arnott and Ed Percival, founder members of Fossil Fools, all of whom are with us here today. So let's give a big welcome to Terry Arnott on drums and percussion. Hello, Terry. Hello. To Ed Percival on vocals, guitar and keyboards. Hello, Ed. Hello. To Dan Farmer on keyboards, guitar and vocals. Hello, Dan. Hello, Mark. To Matt Bell on bass. Hello, Matt. Hello, viewers. And we <laughs> may well be joined by Jake Crawford on guitar and vocals at some point during the podcast. We'll see. But um, we left the ecstatic episode on a bit of a cliffhanger because we didn't know what was going to be to, to, to happen next. Ed, you were part of ecstatic. You're part of Fossil Fools. What, what happened between one and the other? The urge to come out and do it all again was too strong. So um, I sat and was grumpy for a while. And just prior to the very last ecstatic gig, Fuzzy Warblers had played the previous night. So in a very much beer-enhanced state, um, they started playing uh, Books Are Burning, which was a song that ecstatic would never let me play. And so I, I put, pushed myself into the front of the stage and bellowed out the vocals, uh, realising I didn't actually know the words after all. <laughs> so it was a sort of a beer, a beer session, uh, and Terry was thumping away on the drums behind, and we didn't speak. I, I think at all that night, but sometime later, about six months later, it turned out that we were working within about three hundred yards of each other uh, in Slough. So we got together for lunch, and we started talking about, well, you know, what could happen. And at that stage, uh, the Fuzzy Warblers were still going, and they invited me to come along and join them, and we did one gig in. Uh, 2007, so a couple of years after the end of Ecstatic, uh, at a place called the 12 Bar in Swindon. And and as usual, pulled a decent crowd of people in. And we had Holly, Holly Partridge's She Beats Band uh, playing as a support, support set to us. And lots of our old friends and various members of the of the Chambers family turned up to that one. We we did a gig, but it have to say, after the, the highs of Ecstatic, it was a little bit more homemade as <laughs> a gig i'd say a little chaotic <laughs> <laughs> it's well we had a set list but people then decided they were changing what instrument they played so it was a little bit odd but out out of that terry terry and i uh, became close and we thought well, well we'll have another go but it did take us a while to get around to doing it uh, and so 
in 2007, I was working at the Prince's Trust and I was running the website and advertised for a, an assistant web manager. And Dan was one of the hundred people that applied for it. I will tell him he was seventh on the short list of six. Uh, but he had, he'd said that he put, played keyboards on his, on his CV. So he got the job. And uh, I then spent the next couple of years trying to persuade him to join an XTC tribute band. And he'd never heard of XTC. And it kind of built. And uh, Matt and Terry had played together in the past. But it, it took us a long while to get, get going. And it was really through uh, Prince's Trust um, Christmas parties. So we would put together a band to play the parties. We, never, no, we didn't have an in-house drummer, so Terry would come along and do that. Dan would sing some songs. I'd sing some songs. And we had, uh, I think, our finance director and our uh, assistant marketing director as well. Uh, and we do all sorts of covers, you know, anything from Led Zeppelin to Mariah Carey and the Pogues. And, and it, was, uh, it, was all, it was great fun to play, play this stuff. But through that, we absolutely knew that, that Dan was the right person to come in and join us. And by that time, Matt, Terry, and I had been sort of thumping away in rehearsal studios for a couple of years with never really finding the fourth member to make this happen. Uh, and it finally finally sort of came to so so a lot of a lot of half rehearsals to try and get the the momentum going uh, and finally in in 2010 we made our debut so quite a lot of of uh, development had gone into it uh, and the very first gig was supporting tin spirits which of course had dave gregory in it that's yeah that's a bit of a name drop um <laughs> ter- yes. ter- 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 terry does that um accord with your memories of what happened or, or maybe you should wind back and tell us about fuzzy warblers before you tell us about about what happened next well i i joined fuzzy warblers through the old xtc idea forum back in sort of 2003 2004 we were rehearsing in a, a studio in walthamstow prior to the 2005 convention that we played at that Ed had joined in with us at the Moonrakers in Cricklade. Pretty much the um, the history of Fossil Falls from that point on is exactly as Ed, Ed said. I, I've known Matt since 1991. We've, we've, we've been in various uh, groups throughout that time, other covers, bands and, and, and what have you. But Matt has always been my mainstay as a bass player, uh, I think, between the two of us. It's quite a nicely knit and tight rhythm section, but he keeps me on my toes as well. Matt, does all of that accord with you? Yes, it does. Um, I had kind of stopped playing when Terry approached me. Um, I had just moved to house into this sort of derelict cottage in this little village, and he, he found out, I said, I'm putting this um, XTC tribute band together. And he knew I, you know, I, I knew of XTC. I'd had a couple of albums. My brother got me into them. Um, I said, look, I'm really busy doing this house. Come back and if you haven't found anyone in six months, just come back and speak to me. And six months to the day the phone went and it was Terry. So it's been six <laughs> months. Do you want to join us band? It just would not leave me alone. So I, you know, I, I, I'd nearly got rid of all my gear. That was all in storage. I hadn't played for a while. I thought I'm going to be useless. Um, I can't play that sort of stuff. But I'll come along to a couple of rehearsals, and you can see how, you know, I've dipped off and I hadn't played for a couple of years at a time. And we'll we we'll just take it from there. But it was just so enjoyable. Um, I mean, we we went out and did um, a couple of charity gigs myself, um, Ed and Terry, uh, with no rehearsal as such, just sort of front together a set, and it was so enjoyable. That it just did reignited the flame and me to continue playing again. So, and then it seemed like it took a, a while, a couple of three years to get together, but it didn't seem like that. I mean, it was just, it just went really quickly to our first gig. And then, wallop, there we were at the furnace in Swindon, 
supporting. We, but we were, we were doing all sorts of ridiculous cover bands. Oh we yeah, would, somebody would do a chat, and we so we were Depeche Mode. Uh, <laughs> we were the, the, with free chords for another one. We were sort of a sixties. Oh, Freeman Hardy Willis Overdrive, I think, was one of them, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, that was another one. Yeah, and we did all these sort of tribute uh, these things. So, what's the theme of this party? All oh, right, we'll put together a set for this stuff. And it's all ropey stuff, but you know, you, it's great fun to do. And you recognise through that that we got on really well as people, and that's that's the the thing which really defines as bad. Everybody is a friend, and everybody really cares about it, it, each other. And it's a lovely uh, when you've been in, in other bands that aren't so familial. This it's lovely just to just get together with you with your friends and uh, uh, and wallow in that. And we and we recognise our. The things we're good at, and recognise the things we're less good at, and we have to work harder at. Um, but it's that sort of fr- that friendship has car- carried us through. So, um, and it, and it, and that's the I think that's the divining thing about the fossil falls. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated, Dan, about your story because you've your the fact that you're still here suggests that something has happened in between not knowing XTC and being in an XTC cover band. <laughs> uh, to, what, uh, what happened when you were introduced to XTC? Well, I'd been a bit of a frustrated musician prior to getting that job at the Prince's Trust, which I, I still claim that I got on merit, despite uh, Ed winding, <laughs> winding me up. You did, absolutely, absolutely. I... <laughs> it might have just got me over the line and mentioning that I, I played keyboards. But yeah, I'd been I'd been a frustrated musician, done one or two bits and pieces, but never really kind of had the the impetus to, to get out there and do something. So I'm very thankful for uh, to Ed for sort of dragging me out of my shell and yeah, doing those kind of uh, Christmas parties and bits and pieces while we were at, at Prince's Trust. Yeah, when when Ed said about this XTC tribute band, I think I I did think and who's XTC again and did a bit of sort of digging around and realised I did know at least some bits and pieces about them. I'd I'd seen Andy Partridge in his round glasses on top of the pops too, doing senses. And I remember that a, a good friend of mine at uni had got very excited when Apple Venus was coming out. I remember him doing doing me a, a compilation tape with Wrapped in Grey on. And coincidentally, I think I've, I've, when I listened to your podcast, his name is read out as one of the Knights in Shining Karma, Michael Sutcliffe. So I'd, if it's the same one, then you know that would sort of make sense. I, I want it to be the same same one. So hi, Mikey, if it, if it is you. Hello, mate. But yeah, and and as Ed said, once he finally sort of dragged me out and I met Terry and, and Matt, the instant thing was, oh, this is a this is just a, a lovely group of people to be playing with. And I think as I started to learn the songs as well, I became more and more interested because it was clearly there was so much richness in these in this catalogue. And you know, I was late twenties and coming to this band with all this music. And I didn't know ninety nine percent of it, so I was it was, you know, I'm still sort of unearthing occasional things that I haven't heard before. But um, yeah, so I'd echo what what the others were saying. The, the best thing was finding some really really good people to play some music with. Even if you got on with the people, if you really didn't like the music of XTC, <laughs> then I imagine <laughs> you wouldn't have continued. There must have been. Am I right in assuming that you became an XTC fan? Yes, I did. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking about this um, yesterday. How how different my entry to the to the um, band and the band's music has been compared to the to the others. Because while they were still a, a going concern, I I didn't know of them and was quite young. In fact, I was born in nineteen eighty. So I've come to them 
sort of less the, the kind of band and the people and, and sort of having any relationship with, you know, seeing seeing them on, on stage or on TV or whatever and more just purely through listening to the to the music. And, yeah, like I was saying, there's, what I love is just the the richness of it. And uh, I remember Ed saying once that every every time he listened to a song, he'd hear something new that he hadn't heard before which is the the you know the brilliance of the music but also um very much so the challenge of trying to recreate it on stage particularly the the later stuff with all, all the sort of intricacies and, and layers there yeah and well that is a question that i could ask all of you which is that thing of yeah it's all very well being a, a fan of any band uh but but the more you dig into it the the more you have to get the very uh, close subtleties the, you have to learn about what's really going on in the records uh, maybe I could start with you Ed because because Dan just mentioned you but is that the case that that, that you still find stuff in there oh, oh, all the time and particularly because it takes us a while to sort of prepare for a gig and the format has, has become that we have a zoom conversation with about 20 suggestions of songs and then we talk through each one and then gradually vote them down to where we get to about 10 new songs then we work on them on our own and then come and bring them together in a studio and then try and play them at the same time and see if they work or not. And some songs you just say, that's a nice idea. I mean, we tried to do uh, Easter Theatre, which we worked quite hard on for the last gig and we, um, and we working, we're really pushing this and eventually say, it's a great song, but we can't quite do it. So recognising that the things, sometimes they really don't work. So yeah, just back off from them. This time we're, we're taking on, a, currently we've got 10 new songs for the, uh, for the set of gigs that we've got coming up, so that's a, and because the, you you we're then digging into those songs, you're listening for every detail of it. And yesterday, playing many of them for the first time, you think, well, I've played along to these things; this will be fine. And you start then playing them without a backing track, and you go, hang on, what's the cue for this thing? And Jake wasn't with us yesterday; he wasn't able to make the rehearsal yesterday. And we're thinking, well, that's a guitar line; needs to do that. And so you suddenly, think, oh, so you actually have to really think about that. And there's a that the change between that chorus and the middle eight is slightly different each time they do it. So it, it messes with the head. You think you know this stuff. You think you know the, the lyrics of these songs. And then you try and summon them out of your head and think, oh, my God, it is really complicated. But each time it's just the richness of doing it and digging in on a different instrument. So in a lot of cases with the uh, where I have done songs before with the ecstatic, I was coming at it from a, the point of view of being a bass player or perhaps a guitarist. And this time I'm trying to sing and play guitar. Or so, so each time you uh, approach a song with a very different focus of an instrument you're listening to, you hear a completely different song. And that that and that's the 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 richness of it. That's the, that's the the prog rock of XTC. And I've don't know any other band that does that, where it, it you know you peel the levels of the, the the layers off the onion. There's more and more and more and more richness into it. And it, and you know this has still been. Where are we now? We're 2022 this is 40 years that i've been listening to this band and still fascinated about how how can i be discovering things and there's a couple there was uh, a song we've never done before uh, off english settlement which we were playing through yesterday i'm thinking and i sort of dismissed it you know for 40 years i've been largely skipping it so i know we were playing it yesterday i'm thinking oh, actually it's quite good oh that's quite oh that there's something in that and it, and some of the things we we, we sort of started up well well, I'm not really sure we should do this. And then we say, no, we, well, we've, we've worked on it. Let's have a go. And you play it and gradually the groove starts going and you say, 
oh yes, I can imagine this working, and it, and it's and it's a, a lovely process. And we and I mean we we I think we're all fairly similar standards of musicians. None of us is a virtuoso, but we have a basic grasp of our in, instruments. Um, we're very much aided by by Jake, and Jake is somebody who just lives and breathes music. So uh, when when we get him, we feel very lucky because you you say. Uh, can you go off and learn that Dave Gregory guitar solo? And he'll come back absolutely nuanced, perfect, and he will just he just sort of sprinkles magic. So if as long as it, long as the rest of us can get a groove going and a sound right, we know that he will sort of bring it through uh, and and add all you know the the uh, the color on top of it that will really make it lift it out of the of the commonplace. You know, so and that's he's been sort of. Uh, in the last half dozen gigs, has, has taken us to a completely different level. Uh, Terry, what was the rehearsal like yesterday? Then, there's a, that's a good example. Ten new songs. How did those songs uh, start at the beginning of the day and finish the end of the day? <laughs> well, bearing in mind we hadn't played together since October, um, I thought it went really well. And the fact that we, like I say, some of these songs we we haven't played before, though we've listened to and listened to and listened to countless times and then realizing oh hang on a minute there's something you know you you, you work through, you, you work through things oh, that that must have been overdubbed and you're, you're trying to work things out there are so many intricacies um i mean from from a from from a drumming point of view you know, I, mean, I still rate terry chambers as a fantastic drummer for what he for, for, for what he did and you know his timekeeping absolutely impeccable the other drummers as well everything they put into the xtc parts but there are things you think you can't play all that in in in, in one go so I'm, I'm trying to emulate these bits and pieces sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't for me it's, it, it, it's always been a challenge and it's a fantastic and lovely challenge to do i've recently bought some electronic gubbins for, for my drums to try and emulate some of the drum sounds as well, especially for the Black Sea English settlement, even up to none such with those gated sounds. And I'm, I'm having, I'm just having a ball playing this stuff and finding out that all the, all the, all, all these bits and pieces. Like, oh. And let's say with the rehearsal yesterday and just get, get going through these songs thinking, she sounds really good. You know, with, with with the four of us just just in the pocket, in the groove, and just just thrashing these things out, it, it's just so much fun to do. It's a logistical exercise because I mean, Dan lives in Bristol, I live in Windsor, Terry's in in Feltman, and Matt's up in Aylesbury, Hamisham. No, Hamisham. Yes. So we're we're geographically quite distant from each other. So it is, it it it's, it takes a lot of time to to drag us together, and uh, we normally end up in little studios in. On, on bits of farmland but it's uh it, it's lovely just to come together to wallow in the music and a nice air-conditioned studio yesterday that was really oh, very timely nice. <laughs> <laughs> lovely you need one at the moment as well and i'm just okay. kind of thinking that, that that kind of logistical thing is uh, because you've all got day jobs you've all got other lives you're not you know some of you've got other bands uh you you you, you can't dedicate you know every hour of the day to this thing so is it a question of being uh, I don't know, good enough musicians to to learn the parts individually and then coming together and, and then piecing it together like a jigsaw. Helps to do the homework. Yeah, practice at home, rehearse the music. It did used to be a bit easier um, before I left London. I uh, moved out to Bristol after we had twins 
and we realised we needed to live in something bigger than a two-bed flat. So so Bristol it it was. But yeah, that I mean, we had a hiatus for how long did we? It was when I had six twins. Years. About, six about years. Six, six years. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah so we split, we we officially split up in two thousand and eleven, uh, and and then reformed in two thousand and seventeen. But yeah, so we, so we had, we'd mentioned so we got our first gig, um, and it's supporting Dave Gregory in in Tin Spirit. So that's that's a, a big thing from uh, ecstatic, where we never had any engagement apart from with the families of the bands. Suddenly, we're finally in a place where we're playing uh, XTC songs in front of a band, including uh, uh, Dave Gregory, and he's kind of looking down on us. And I, and I have to say, it's impossible to do when your heroes start thing. You, your fingers start sticking to the guitar strings. There's no chance that any solo comes out, and the, the the footage is there. And every single solo I start in, you know, a semitone out. You know, it's everything goes wrong in the, in, yes. in, in this thing. But we're <laughs> <laughs> he wrote yeah, this. He, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it was, but it, it, we had it, it was it was lovely to have have their support too. They were um, really supportive as well. Um, I'll never forget yeah. that first sound check because we'd been rehearsing for a long time, and then we—I couldn't believe we were supporting Dave Gregory's band, and then we get a sort of set up, and Dave Gregory's guitar rack is sort of uh, there with with however many guitars, and um, and they'd already sound checked, and I thought, oh, they'll you know go off and do whatever, but they were sat up on the balcony, <laughs> sort of uh, sort of <laughs> le- leaning over while we sound checked. I thought, oh, good lord! And I think it was um, it was one of those early ones pre Jake where I was doing a bit of singing, a bit of guitar, and a bit of keyboards. And I thought I'm going to just sort of fall over rather than get this right. But I do remember them giving us a big round of applause after we played our first song in that sound check. And I instantly sort of relaxed. And yeah, they couldn't have been more sort of supportive and encouraging. I was so nervous in that first gig, so nervous. I'm nervous for every gig, to be honest with you. It was the same venue that we'd played the last ecstatic gig, so I'd gone from sort of uh, this. This was a, a you know a, a return five years after the uh, the event to the to the same place, but at least we got Dave Gregory there and we're playing in front of it. And then we did, and we we then did a, a whole series of uh, as with ecstatic, sort of back and forth between Swindon and and um, Hope and Anchor and um, and Dublin Castle. So the same sorts of venues, um, and we. Uh, and we started to stretch ourselves. So, into I think third or fourth gig, we decided to do the whole of Black Sea, start to finish, and that's the first we hadn't done that sort of thing with, uh, with ecstatic. So that once again, we, it was really forcing us into you know when when you realise you're going to be playing uh, travels in nylon, you you're really stretching your it, it, what their expectation because it's not something that they ever did live. That's where the magic starts to take over you're trying to present things that have never come out live. And we started to get some incredible reactions from it. So it started to get that same sort of buzz that had come with the ecstatic of, oh my God, you know, people are just hanging on what you're playing. And it, it was just, you know, absolutely electric atmospheres that we started to get uh, get with the gigs. Matt, do you feel some sort of responsibility because of that? Because you've got these fans who, uh, who haven't seen, maybe they've never seen XTC live and this is the that one... Uh, chance to do that do you feel as though there's a a responsibility to to do right by the music it takes an incredibly large amount of dedication because you know when you do these gigs that um particularly one of the gigs we did uh, the the first one we did the water rats with jake that there's this particular guy american guy who, who just happened to be in town 
with work and he popped in and he just did not take his eyes off me all night. He was watching what I played. <laughs> he, his eyes were following my fingers up the fretboard. And we all do that, man. I know. <laughs> it feels such a responsibility to get these things right. And it, it does take a, a large amount. I mean, we've, we've all got, we've all got jobs. So, I mean, I, I I tend to finish early on a Friday and I spend the whole afternoon playing the songs over and over again. And like, as, as Ed mentioned, every time you hear the song, you hear something else in there that you hadn't heard before. And when we came back after the, the layoff, I had a better set of headphones. I think Christ, I was playing that wrong the whole time we were together. I was, I was like a semitone out, but luckily no one noticed. So now, especially with Jake in the band, who's a proper musician as such. So, you know, it's just dedication to playing it right. And it just makes it so, it's so enjoyable. It really is enjoyable. You know, we were all great friends, as as the guys have mentioned. It's just, it's just a fantastic, it's a fantastic band. It's a fantastic amount of music that we're playing. And we, we just did so dedicated to getting it right. You know, it's, it's an honour, really, to be honest with you. It's a, and I, I think the rest of the guys feel the same, that we're, to do the songs justice, we work very hard at it. And it is an honour. I think for me, it's, a, it's the synergy of the entire thing. The fact that uh, we're, we, yeah, we're a five-piece band, but I, we we play more than what a five-piece would do sonically. I'm in wonderment sometimes. There's the the stuff that, that sort of between, say, Ed and Dan playing keyboards, with Jake playing the guitar. It there just seems to be this this cohesiveness that that that, that, that works so well. And as Matt said, you know, the fact that, that it's it it's been played amongst friends and we're fans of the music and we're playing these to fans of the music. It's like, it's like no other thing that, 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 that I've, I, I've done with any other band. And could you say you've, you've, you've alluded to the 10 new songs that you're rehearsing. Could you say what some of those are? Oh, that would be giving away the surprise. Well, <laughs> it's a secret. Got, for the next half hour of the podcast, I'm going to be guessing which songs. <laughs> <laughs> We will raise our ears when you get one right. Oh, we're all wearing <laughs> headphones, and you won't be able to see the. Uh, no, we we it, there's there's actually there's quite a lot of mama things that we we we've kind of stumbled into the set, and that's not really a, uh, a an album that we've done a lot of. There there are still some albums that we've not touched at all, and probably won't get around to because you know we're ration what we do and. Um, and, and we work our way towards it. We started promoting our own gigs from fairly early on in this incarnation rather than just trying to go to venues and find something. So we we, we promote the gigs, we hire the venue, and we are so much helped by, because there are you know active fan groups out there, and so we can uh, normally pull, well, in most cases, we sell out the venue. So it's been, you know, it's been, it's worked. Uh, the, the model's just about work, so we can we can get enough people in uh, to then justify to be able to spend money on the rehearsing and get through, and you know that you're going to have a great, a great atmosphere. So 150, 200 people in a, in the back room of a pub, absolutely loving it, bellowing the, the songs back at you. So it becomes huge. Uh, you know, in our in our little our little world, they are they they're huge events, and we've started getting. You know, we um, Stuart Lee was at the last gig. We've had. Uh, uh, Paul Partner is a re- regular attendee at all these things, so we start to get the same, uh, the same people. But then the other, there's a guy who's the Adrian Durham, who's uh, the, on talk radio. He's always always at the gigs, and they're just sort of, and you say, oh, I recognise that guy from a film, and he's singing away at our thing, and it, and it's it's lovely this sort of this family of of, of people that 
turn up year after year. And we don't, you know, we don't overdo it. You know, maybe two gigs a year. Uh, but it's it's lovely to uh, to bring the bring those people together. And I can remember the I think it was the last time that I saw you in London, and it and from the audience point of view, when you're just the, all of the stuff that you're describing, um, there's this. I had a very sort of strong sense of being in a parallel universe where all of these songs that, that we were hearing were being hits because everybody knew them and everybody was singing along. And just in that little bubble, it felt like something, you know, there'd been some warp in space time that meant that these these songs were, were as widely known as the, as they really should have been. And um, and that sense that you're talking about people singing back and, and, and being all part of that same... Uh, fandom and that family uh, came across very strongly i think well and it's frankly a better world <laughs> this is how the world should be you know, everybody knows xtc songs and sings along the window and you don't go and see you know avatars or, or whatever it's actually i'm going to see avatar so I'll oh, are you are you going to, to do that, that? Yeah. yeah 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 um that'll be the next for you you could you could have the fossil fools avatars <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, make me twelve years younger, please. <laughs> well, you already you already look. Matt's lost lost our lead away. He already oh, looks God. young and beautiful. You're very kind. Um, some of us are old, old and decrepit. So. Yeah. But um, for a band that necessarily, for all the reasons we've said, doesn't play that often, you're not playing every night. Um, it's uh, many people would think that would was hugely risky to introduce that many songs into uh, each set. But I I think I'm right in saying that you've pretty much always changed every time that you've done a new set. You've Every time you've done a new gig, you've got a new set. And uh, so I don't know what the question is there, but that maybe you could say something about the balance that you like to, to get well, within we, a set. That we're, called, we're called fools for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody would do this thing. And if we, yes, if it was a, a day in it, day out, and if you, you know, you take the example of the XTC, they go out and played the same set for an entire tour. And that that's the mechanics of what they do. And they do get really, really good at the songs by playing repetition. We've never had that. So I think we've, have we ever done two gigs in two nights? I don't think so in in no, this no. lineup. So there's always there's. I don't think we could actually. We'd we'd run out of puff. <laughs> this is fans playing songs to other fans, and it's it's a different thing. We're not hyper professional musicians. We're just people who love playing it, and we just happen to be the ones on the stage. And that then that then opens you up to doing going off down curious routes or trying something unusual because there isn't that, that expectation that you're going to be delivering something. And yes, and and you know we we've necessarily ended up with. On occasions that there was there was one gig we did at Water Rats where Dan was was sadly ill, so he couldn't come along. Uh, so we ended up having to cobble together fourth a fourth member of the band. So we found uh, Imogen, who was a, a young student who was an XTC fan, and she came along and played keyboards for a couple of songs. And she supported us on the night as well. Yeah, and and we had uh, and that's how we found Jake because he he started posting these these wonderful solo acoustic versions of songs and so you, you your jaw just hits the floor because he's playing absolutely brilliant things and singing at the same time i thought well we need to get him in the band or else somebody else will <laughs> and we'll be absolutely redundant as a band but actually he came along and with the i think on the back of one rehearsal uh did half the gig and he was just absolutely uh, amazing and then we had um steve tilling came along and performed half a dozen songs at the end of that evening so that was a, a a gig where we were flying by the seat of our pants, uh, but it just worked because of the you know that that feeling that 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 carries us all through. So you're always playing to a home crowd in that sense. Yes. And so then when 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 you're deciding when you're coming together, putting a set together, 
what are you looking for? Are you, are you trying to get a, 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 a sort of historical mix? Or you, you've described that case when you did a whole Black Sea set. Uh, are you, you know, I, I, I can imagine, for example, here's a leading question that if you just did songs from the first two albums, then many people would be disappointed not to hear the hits. Uh, I think we all love uh, our, there, we have our sweet spots of the, uh, of the, of the canon, but it's actually always nice to just pick something else. And because we act, we act democratically. If somebody puts up, suggests a song, and somebody else says, "Let's do it," then we'll have a go at doing it, and that's the, um, and that's lovely, and that just takes us off in, in different directions. And um, you know, we we are very different things. I mean, you know, I'm 20 years older than Dan, so across the thing, and I'm 30 years older than than um, than Jake. So it's we've got a huge, you know, we across the decades, 60s, 50s, 40s, and 30s. You know, this is. The, these are all people with different age groups appear, uh, approaching those songs, and they are, they they pick up on different songs in, uh, across their catalogue. It's interesting how we all do suggest different songs. Usually, when we're when we're putting the the long list together, it's a completely separate kind of bunch of suggestions from from everyone. And as Ed said earlier, there's a, a sort of whittling down while we sort of with furrowed brows and sort of thinking how will we put a serviceable version of that together. And it's like, and we get down to it. A bunch that we think, oh well, we'll give those a go and see how they see how they feel. But we sort of feel our way into a into a kind of set list, I think, and and you know thinking about an evenness to how we who's going to sing what and and um, you know working out who's going to be on what instruments. And but I think that the bringing new material in feels like a because we do get people returning to the to come and see us. It feel that feels like a, a bit more value for them if we're not playing the same same set each time and it keeps it it keeps it fresh as well for for us i know i really enjoy just trying to um i was sat at my piano earlier with how you can slow down a, a track on youtube to quarter speed that is brilliant for working out barry andrew's uh, keyboard <laughs> bits and pieces isn't it there's i don't think there's any other way to to do it but yeah, I was doing doing that earlier with my yeah, son. Unfortunately, all the chords sound like. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like we you're talking about YouTube is where now that uh, with Steve Wilson's instrumentals, some of those tracks that um, we have worked on, we've got instrumental voice. You know, without the vocals, you can hear clarity, and it, for me, that there's always little nuggets in there that uh, I thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't realise that. Oh, okay, I'll incorporate that. But it's, it's like. When we, we played our last gigs and we, we like like we segued, for example, living through another Cuba with helicopter, and it was just something that we just got inspired to do. But it worked so well. Uh, the same with Towers of London and um, Earn Enough for Us, because the tempos were almost there. We thought, yeah, we could try and try this, and I think it it, it, came, it came across really well. Mm-hmm. And what's about that point that that? Terry effectively raises there, which is how truthful and accurate and faithful you should be to the originals, because it strikes me that you're not coming in doing, uh, um, you know, completely radical revisions of, of of the original material. You're you're roughly in the in the area that the records had, uh, but at the same time, by necessity, you're different musicians. You're 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 playing music that never never was played live, even from that, as you say, travels of Nihilon, It was <laughs> never played live, even when they were playing playing live. So so you automatically put yourself into a different place. How how do you feel about that level of truthfulness, accuracy, or whatever? What's what's the aim there? Oh. Well, we're doing it at volume. We're doing it in um, sweaty trousers, um, in uh, and and we're we're dealing with the the you know the limitations of our of our vocal cords and things. So we are, 
uh, it's necessarily a, a compromise. I think it re- it's really helped expanding to a, to a, to being a five piece because now suddenly you aren't necessarily trying to sing and play guitar at the same point. It gives gives us a little. I think our vocals have improved an awful lot by virtue of not all having to work out what is that that day. And every every time we do a, a new song, I learn a new chord because of these these weird things that you're trying to do with your fingers just to to make that thing. And then you you know eventually after the twentieth time of playing it, you actually work out how to play that chord. And sing those words and remember what those words words are at the same time. So it's a, it, it is always a compromise. But I think we're getting, uh, we are much closer to it because we've got, um, I, I think we we're helped by uh, playing at places with decent PA systems and with with good good sound engineers and having you know a good decent draft of our instruments, um, and it and it and it and it works. It just works. We've got people. The feedback we get is wonderful. We don't. I think the the first time around there were occasional gigs where we do where somebody would be grumpy about something, but actually we just get a, a wall of approval this time uh, as we do it these days, and um, and it's lovely. It is. I feel like a, a lovely, lovely. A lot of the band. people who who will come and watch the the gigs are such big fans of of XTC that they they have the music in their head, and we're we're sort of we're playing our version, we're reminding it, reminding them of it, and. You see them, right? They've often got their eyes closed and you know singing along, and they're remembering their own XTC memories and and you know just enjoying the the music of the band. And they you know they fill in the bits we miss out in their in their heads anyway. So we're very lucky because uh, unlike any other band that I've been in, we have somebody here who's actually seen XTC live, which is Terry. Yes. Every everybody else is Im- imagining this world. <laughs> no. Tell yeah, us your I, tell us your story then, Terry. Uh, it was the only time I'd gone with school friends to the Hammersmith Palais. It was the um, December gig that uh, has been immortalised in the XTC Live Live in Concert CD that was in on the Transistor Blast set and previously before that released by BBC. So, but that was missing several tracks at the beginning. The CD itself didn't really give justice to the energy and the, I was there and it was like it was just absolute ecstatic energy watching these guys just just absolutely thrash it out i I was just my my eyes were completely transfixed to terry chambers at the time it was like um you know this 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 lovely tama drum kit he was using it it was just one of those um special times i've been been and i've been to a few gigs as well you know the 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 tc and i gigs that we went i think that we I, i went with ed matt's gone they those those gigs were absolutely special and i i thought the the the, the xcc gig was just as special at the time as a a, a little a little 15 year old i was then you know mm-hmm. and i saw them at the same pretty much the same age and the same same tour just a few days before you in liverpool so uh so i know exactly what you mean and, and particularly if we think about you as a drummer and terry chambers as a as a player in xcc at that point and he would it was almost like it was illegal uh, to have a pause between songs. So he would, you know, hit the final symbol in one song, and already he'd be playing the next, the next yeah. song. And it was breathless. I mean, do, do you, uh, is is that something that you emulate? I'd listened to, to to drummers, but I'd never actually played a drum kit. And in fact, it wasn't until about 1981, 82 that I actually sat down at a drum kit to physically play it. And I went to a police concert uh, in uh, 1983 at the Wembley, uh, Wembley Arena, and they just cemented it for me. I thought, I've got to get down and do this. And as you were saying, Terry, before we just started recording, you were just alluding to the fact that you're 
Fossil Fools gigs are long. They're two and a half hours or something. You've got a lot of material in there. Um, particularly, actually, for a drummer, this is a question, but it's a question for all of you, really. The, um, the level of energy and subtlety as well that you have to maintain in a set for that long must I can only imagine it's it's very difficult because if if you are sort of thrashing through the 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 noisier numbers that's fair enough but then if you hit a I don't know a yacht dance or something that requires a bit of subtlety then then um you've got to be on your game the whole two and a half hours don't you I think when you've got someone like Ed and Matt next to you and you know, he's asked that they sometimes ask you to rein it in a bit <laughs> he gets the look because I, I, it's for me, it's always nervous energy. Uh, to see me before a gig, I normally disappear. I'm normally, I, I've normally gone to, you know, the toilet. Um, yeah, mainly, um, or outside just to get myself just clear-headed. It's all nervous energy that comes out. But let's say two and a half hours later, I'm just full of energy again. I would just love to redo that. When COVID hit, that was that was a big, big problem for me. I played other gigs for other bands and do a two and a half hour gig with Fossil Fools. I did a 30 minute gig for another band and I was absolutely spent with, with the after effects of COVID. You know, it is, it does take a lot out of me, but I just love doing it. And I, 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 I don't know what the other guys think. Terry hasn't worked out that we... We always stick in four early numbers at the beginning of the set just to try and work out work out his volume issues. So <laughs> he, we have four early songs just to bash through, and then he, then we can calm him down and sort of uh, throw throw a, a blanket over him, and he just sort of calms down and, and and relaxes into the gig. So by the end, we we can do wrapped in grey, which is which we always love to do with a couple of keyboards and just really strip back the thing. And we've all we've all kind of relaxed into the whole into the whole experience but it's it, a lot of it is, is energy management energy management so you know we're not we're, we're not as old as Mick Jagger or some of us are getting towards that uh, era but it's uh, you do actually have to manage your um your energy levels to, to to survive and when it was just me and Dan singing frequently you your voice would go you know three quarters of the way through the gig you're running out of breath because you are you still got to do no fugs blurting out these lyrics and and there is there are so many songs, studio songs, where they haven't left the gaps for you to breathe between verse and chorus. Things that's a, that's a difference between the the latter years and the early years that they haven't they're not built for live performance. So something like um, Mayor of Simpleton, you're trying to you have to sort of manage who, how to carry those vocal lines through because there are no line no places for you to breathe in 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 those, in those songs. Something we've not mentioned either is is the lyrics and and the challenge of getting getting our um minds around particularly the the some of those andy partridge um lyrics mayor of symptom being a, a great example and yeah in, in the midst of a two-hour set trying to work out what the second verse of that wave um it's uh yeah we sort of i think we do pretty well actually con considering um but yeah, that that's yeah. that's always a challenge. Burning with optimism's flames always springs to mind. You know, <laughs> I'm very glad I've never tried to sing that one. I always leave that to you. The other thing on in this area is melodically, they're prepared to go to places that 
even you know you can even hear Colin and Andy straining for some of those notes and you know there it is quite a big vocal range isn't it particularly mm. and I am, can only imagine that's even harder when you've you're on onto song number 17 in your set <laughs> yeah how do you how how have you found that I, I know that Jake is doing more of that but 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 Dan when you were when the singing was coming down to you how did you cope <laughs> once or twice I think in the early gigs we we shifted things down a key I don't know if we should admit to that is that heresy I don't think we'd ever did, didn't we? How maybe that? I don't. I don't believe. No, I don't think we did actually. I don't no. think we have done. We tried. We didn't sound right, so we we yeah. We so we left it as it was. Oh. Yeah. Maybe I begged. I begged and begged and yeah. Um. But yeah, it it is it is challenging and yeah. Colin and Andy have got quite high registers and yeah. Again, some of those later um, albums, you know, Andy only had to sing it get it right one take i mean he's got a brilliant voice anyway but yeah it's a it's a challenge to hit some of those high notes and, and particularly in the midst of a long set which is a, again another reason why having jake on board is, is so brilliant because as well as being a virtuoso guitar player he's got a brilliant voice and so it's we're sharing the songs out between more more people and he's um yeah and, and he's you know doing a really good job in the in the ones he's singing Colin did admit when I, when I chat with him uh, prior to the the TCI warm up gig is that they tune the guitars down half a tone. So other people don't know, but it just gives you that tiny little nuance. We don't do that. We hit the original notes. <laughs> <We are> purists. <laughs> <laughs> but on the subject of original notes and pure notes, the impact that XTC songs have is as much in uh, in the arrangements and the the particular notes that they use. I can ask this question of, of of Matt as the bass player, but it could go to any of you, uh, as it is in 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 the songwriting. So it's it, it, my point is that you can't really detach the songwriting from the arrangements. And so if you you know if you didn't play the a Colin Moulding bass line, then it wouldn't sound like a Colin Moulding song. Do do you think that's true to say, Matt? That is absolutely true. Um, and I think you'd be led outside the venue and hung from the nearest lamppost if you did try and embellish or play something differently. Um, and it wouldn't suit the song. I mean, the, the, the bass lines in particular had been written for that particular song. And that Colin's bass playing isn't particularly bassy such. A lot of it can be quite melodic and, and almost follow along with the guitars. And at the same time, sometimes play completely different to as you think the bass line should go for that song. And I mean, I've, I mean, I've got a bit of trouble hearing in my left ear, so sort of to try and pick out some of And as I say, when I got a better pair of headphones, I was learning that I wasn't playing it particularly right. Um, you, you have to just do the hard work to give the song the justice that the, the guys and girls turning up at the gigs deserve, you know? Um, and you, you every now and again, you'll catch the eye of someone and you'll get the thumbs up that you've done it right. Um, so you, you, know, you you'll know if you get, you're going to you're going to do it wrong because you'll you will as I say you'll be let out into the street and thrashed. And they're not a violent audience. No. Nice <laughs> but Ed, what about the a similar question? Same question, really, as the a- actual position that you put your fingers in to create those weird chords. Presumably, accuracy p- pays dividends. It does. I've, I've never been particularly accurate I'm, I'm very <laughs> we uh, allude to Jake uh, Jake is a proper musician so I think in the last month he, he was playing bass with his band Prestamico so they were headlining at uh, one of the stages at 2000 Trees Festival uh, a couple of weeks before that he was playing lead guitar in a band in Italy 
uh, and uh, I think he's missing our next rehearsal because he's he's playing at the Reading and Leeds Festival on drums. So he's he is he's a proper musician that does all of these things, uh, and music kind of flows flows through him. He can pick up any old guitar, and suddenly you know with he'll press three buttons on an amplifier, and it will suddenly sound magnificent because he just has music that that flows through him. So we we latterly we have become much more. Um, musically supporting to allow him to have the gaps in which he then sprinkles the you know the the nuances we used to do that wave in the kind of the first flourish of fossil falls and i would attempt the dave gregory solo i don't think i got more than about 30 percent of it right now we we play it and it's 100 percent wonderful and lovely and and, and I, I enjoy watching somebody playing beautiful guitar lines and that is the it is that pleasure now and are we we play our gigs with great big grins on our face. There's, there's somebody filmed our the set that we did at the Victoria last year, and it's just great fun. We just, a bunch of people just having a laugh, you know, enjoying what they're doing. They're not grimacing, going, "Oh, I've got the wrong note." That we're just loving the uh, the whole experience. The trouble is, we're going at such a lick that we, we've got no time to go back and redo that wrong note. It's, it's already in the next song. Uh, Dan, I'm just thinking about that thing of you uh, discovering XCC relatively late. Did uh, as opposed to, I suppose, what Terry was talking about, uh, that, that he and I were discovering them pretty much in real time, as it were, and each each new album came out and we could hear it. Have you got a favourite period of XTC's music? Are you? Is it all sort of open to possibility? In some ways, it's a bit, a bit of a challenging question because I I didn't experience all the studio albums as they came out. I haven't. I don't. I still don't have pieced together the the chronology properly. You know, you can hear the difference between some very very early stuff and much later stuff. But the the kind of detail of which album came before which one, um, you know, I've never had cause to work that out. Um, but that that said, I think um, as I've sort of filled in in the gaps. Sort of English settlement is definitely a, a favourite. Gen- probably generally more the more the later stuff it was the same with with the Beatles. The the bit after they stopped having to to tour and, and could just uh, you know let off the the chuckles. There's um, it brings so much more possibility that um, you know just having a studio to to play with, and yeah, it it is intimidating listening to some of those multi layered track sometimes and, and thinking about how we might do something with them but um yeah i think i'd definitely say sort of later rather than rather than earlier but then that said in terms of playing the early stuff live it's so much fun it's real you know um a real, we get a real sort of energy going and um and yeah they always get a real sort of strong um reaction from the from the crowd so you know can i say all of it yes you can that's <laughs> that's normally the answer i give <laughs> or yeah it, uh, all of it but apart from a lot of go to you know is that isn't that <laughs> that was the first album i heard go to and yeah really? there are some very enthusiastic fans of go to they're they're out there and i am i i like go to i stole it from my brother he's not listening yeah. Oh. And and that actually, yeah, I'm I'm sure. I don't know. Have you done Battery Brides? Something like that, you know, where you just get into a, a rhythm. And a, you were talking about getting into a groove when you were rehearsing yesterday. You know that there are certain songs that you can uh, that must be very pleasurable to play live. This is you trying to guess, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the beginning of my <laughs> guess. Battery Brides was not one of the songs. That I've, we did. Sta- I've started on the second album. I'm going to work my way through all. <laughs> 
Uh, well, uh, your your twenty questions has number one <laughs> wrong. We are not playing battery bright. I think we tried it in rehearsal once, didn't we? Did we? Did we? I think we might have done very very I, I early on. We did. Very early on, we did. Yeah. There are a few which are uh, a kind of drone songs that you kind of build up. So, uh, travels in nylon, uh, complicated game, uh, beating of hearts that that sort of share a uh, that you, you know you you need a, a, an E chord rumbling and below that to just kind of build up and you, and you work yourself into a trance of the song so we we try and avoid having more than you know one or maybe two of those in in a, in a, in a set it, it it's something that builds and builds and builds and and it, it has a drone quality and you you are sort of absorbed into a into a trance like state by listening listening to the song and very hypnotic um, and those those are and that yeah the hypnotic thing which is probably the the area of the battery bride thing. I don't know if anybody's ever shown any interest in doing um, all along the watchtower to do a cover of a cover of a, a cover of a cover. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Terry, do you have that um, similar reaction that that Dan was just talking about? That it's a separate question to what is your favourite period of SEC. It's it's like what's your favourite to to play and 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 would it be true, for example, to say that playing the Terry Chambers era music is uh, more satisfying than later, or is that not the case? For me, I learned most of the XTC stuff prior to Fossil Falls was the Terry Chambers stuff. But having listened to all the other albums, I must say that I, I really, really love the way that Dave Mattox approached the drums. Looking at the Gus Dudgeon video, for example, I, I mean, I listened to, you listen to none such. Those drums are so, they're, they're almost in your face. Uh, they're so punchy, so powerful. But you look at him in the studio and he's very, very deftly playing. They're, they're, he's not whacking six bells out of the drums. He's really playing with a gracefulness and intent. It's made me appreciate the likes of none such so much more. The Big Express, very, very metallic sounding from a percussive point of view with the introduction of the Lynn drums and everything else. It, 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 it's actually quite a nice marriage. Pete Phipps did really, really well on, the, on, those, on Mama and The Big Express. And I, to, personally, I mean, my, my, my favourite drummer has to be Terry Chambers. I, uh, my my favourite three albums are English Settlement, At the Top of the Heap, then Black Sea, and then Drums and Wires. Drums and Wires was the the the, the thing that um, really, really pushed me to, to play drums. None Such is a close fourth to that. I, I, I just find that with every album that XTT have done that have in, included a different drummer, they, that drummer's brought something fresh. But I think as far as a cohesive unit goes, after Terry Chambers, I think Dave Mattox was the best drummer for XTC to create that cohesive unit. I think that album is just, it, 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 it's just, it's, it's lush. And I think that, you know, Dave Mattox as a drummer as an XTC drummer would have been if they, if they if they could tour if they could have toured then I, that that would have been it for me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And I'm just thinking you're not telling me what songs you are playing at the convention or at the Water Rats after that. But uh, are there some songs that you 
that you feel as though you have to play? You know, will the would you be would you have a riot if you didn't play Making Plans for Nigel, for example? Because uh, uh, you're not in the situation that EXTC is uh, are in, where you where you, you know there's a set of, of of expectations that the fans will have that 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 you will get those hits. Although their their set is pretty varied as well, but um, is do you have an obligation? There may be a riot at the convention. Um, so <laughs> we have been in a field of one in the UK for quite a long time, and now EXTC exists. And we do we do uh, check out their set list, and they were very good when they when they started. They had very very you know fifty percent Colin, fifty percent um, Andy songs, and they've uh, and gradually they're sort of changing that balance. And we we are from the point of view is we are as fans would like to see. You know, breadth of thing. If there were two bands and we were saying that playing the same stuff all the time, it wouldn't work. I think we've deliberately taken out some songs um, from the set. So things like, I think we're we're dropping Towers of London. I think that was one of them. We're going there. We've, you know, we've. There are other other songs that we know they're now doing in their set. So we're actually, well, it's pointless for us to both to be doing the same songs. I don't, you know, the the biggest hit singles, I we will play. Um, whether we do them at the convention is is a different thing because we're slightly the convention is slightly different because Matt's away in America, so um, I, I'm reverting to playing bass at that thing. So we're sort of it, once again, it's a slightly different version of, of what we've done before, and some of that will be the limitations of I can't play uh, Mayor of Simpleton, so <laughs> we won't be doing Mayor of Simpleton. So, but there, there's some practical things of it. But um, what we will do will be great and uh, have lots of high energy. Uh, behind it and, and we'll have a blast doing it and then we will uh, we'll, uh, be much more into our own territory with um, uh, with the Water Rats gig in, in October and then in uh, November in November 25th which will actually be our final gig so that's uh, we will be uh, drawing this particular phase um, to an end so this is the kind of the end of the remember where you heard it first so why is that it's done its course i think that will be the 19th gig that we've done um as the fossil falls um and we've we've uh we will have tackled things i think i mean personally i've, I've played over 90 xdc songs live over the 20 years that i've been doing this in the in the various different bands so from a personal point of view i think i've kind of if there's a song that I wanted to play, I will have I'll have done it at some stage during during that time. Um, I'm not getting any younger. I'm I'm retired now. I'm 62. That's that's there. That's the, you know musicians used to have, have gone away by then. So and I think it's probably probably quite a good idea for me to um, go away and do other other stuff. But uh, and I hope other people um, pick up the baton. You know, I'd love to see young people play XTC songs. I will enjoy going to see EXTC as well because it's. I'm a fan. I want to hear this music, but it's uh, from my point of view, it feels like we've we've explored lots of different corners. We've had uh, lovely experiences through through doing it, and uh, um, from a personal point of view, it feels like okay, perhaps I can move on from this addiction. And what do the others of you th- think? Will it be a, a a deeply emotional moment in November when you you play a? Uh, uh, um... Homo Safari for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Two guesses, both wrong. <laughs> no, it's not one here. <laughs> I think it. Yeah, it definitely. Well, it's because it's been a. It's it's been a long time. Was it fifteen? How long ago was it when we first? Twelve years ago that we first. Well, yeah, twelve. Two thousand eight, I think, was our yeah. first set rehearsals. Yeah, two thousand nine. With a with a bit of a hiatus. Um, but yeah, it definitely will be, and it's uh, 
it, it feel it does feel like you know for me as well a, a sort of the right time to be sort of bringing things to a close. Ed had threatened to to um, jack it in a couple of years back, but then uh, I think what with pandemic and and various, he was sort of going on about turning sixty, and we were sort of ignoring him. And and uh, but yeah, so we've we've dragged a couple of extra extra years out of him. I think he just wants to go and work on his golf handicap. That's what I think he's. Uh, I think we're obstructing him from from winning the the next tournament. Um, but uh but it's yeah. done me a favor actually because um i my i was threatened to buy another bass guitar so i don't have to buy one now so <laughs> you've done me a favor Ed, actually my my wife won't kill me <laughs> i've still been buying equipment so <laughs> you do need a yeah, few more symbols terry yeah yeah <laughs> Well, that is all the more reason that people should be buying their tickets for the fan convention, buying their tickets for the Water Rats and buying the tickets for Swindon in November, because this is the last chance you'll get to hear this fantastic group. So it's been lovely talking to you. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you at the convention. And, Thank you, Mark. Uh, it'll be great to see each other in real life again. Thank you very much for talking. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, Jake couldn't be here, but um, Jake is, as everybody <laughs> has, has been saying, is fantastic as well. And we'll look forward to seeing all of you together so thank you very much there's so many of you uh, ed terry matt and dan thank you thanks mark. thank you thanks thank you very much, mark. what do you call that noise thank you very much terry ed dan matt and in his absence jake you can see fossil fools at the xtc convention in swindon on friday the 16th of september 2022 at the water rats in london on the 29th of october and then a final hurrah at the vic in swindon on the 25th of november many many thanks to all of them and as well to the podcast supporters on Patreon who make it all possible including the following Knights in Shining Karma Terry Arnott Kevin Burt Kale Corbett Liam Duggan Jamie Dunn Jeff Farris Leslie Gooch Robert Graham Alan Hughes Marek Kraus Jesper Kumberg Robert Lawlor Dennis LaCourier Liz Lynch Yusef Murrah Amy Parkinson Murray Meikle Karen Neal, Doug Perry, Mark Reed, James Reimer, Simon Slatone, Michael Sutcliffe, Mark Thomas, and Nigel Waller. And if you'd like to support the XTC podcast, and you know you'd like to support the XTC podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Mark Fisher. Thank you very, very much for listening. See you again next time.